Hey, everybody, welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. And right off the bat, I want to say thanks to those of you who answered our call to take 30 seconds to rate and review Gear 30 in iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever we are calling it these days. And this actually got me thinking this week that as a way to say thank you to and possibly incentivize those of you who regularly listen to Gear 30 to take just a few seconds to rate and review the show, I was thinking that When we get to 250 ratings, we will go shoot a video of me, Sam Shaheen, and Luke Kappa teleskiing. We will go get the gear, and then we will go attempt to drop a knee and get down, and we'll film it all. So now we'll just see how bad you actually want to see me, Sam, and Luke probably go make fools of ourselves, also probably injure ourselves. So anyway... Thanks in advance for leaving that five-star rating, and on behalf of Sam and Luke, who I have not actually yet told that I was committing them to this challenge, we look forward to dropping a knee, letting our freak flags fly, and skiing on some broken bindings. Okay, last thing. I want to quickly mention that if you aren't already a Blister member, now would be a very, very good time to do so because we are going to be rolling out a ton of new flash reviews where you'll get our initial on-snow impressions of a bunch of brand new products. I just posted this week my flash reviews of next season's Blizzard Brahma, Bonafide, and Cochise, and we have a ton of new gear here in Blister HQ, And so that means that a ton of new flash reviews are coming down the pike. So go to blisterreview.com, click on the navigation bar where it says become a Blister member, and be the first to get our take on all of this new equipment. Plus, check out all the money-saving deals we have on gear for Blister members. And Blister members can also hit us up directly to get our personalized gear recommendations. So yeah, join the community, become a Blister member, save a bunch of money on gear, get our personalized gear recommendations, and get access to all of these flash reviews. All right, today our guest is Tor Verdonk, who is the global brand director for Lang. Tor has been intimately involved with product design and development at the Rosignol Group for over 25 years, and two years ago, he became the brand director at Lang. So in this conversation, I talked to Tor about Lang's use of dual-core technology and why he likes to say that ski boots should be alive. Then we get into the design details about the brand spanking new third generation Lang XT3 and how it relates to the first and second generation of the XT. And then we wrap by talking about the future and the future of Lang, including the question of heat moldable shells, 3D printed boots, and more. Now, one quick note about terminology you're going to hear Tor talk about playing with the durometer of the plastic, and short version is durometer basically means the hardness of the plastic, so keep that in mind. And with that, let's get to it. Okay, we are talking with Tor, the global brand director for Lang, or if you are Italian, 
Lange. Lange, yeah. And then if I'm French? Lange. Lange. <laughs> what are the what are the Austrians calling it? Oh, they're somewhere in between there. <laughs> okay. They're a little closer to Lang, I would say. Okay. We'll we'll, we'll keep it American here and and uh we'll it, just... it was started by an American Bob Lang, so I think Lang is probably the correct pronunciation. Well, hey, um we just wrapped up a pretty interesting conversation that had more to do with your own backstory and kind of journey from Indiana to Vermont to ski racing and bike mechanicking to working with the Rosignol group for like 26 years to being the global brand director at Lang. So there was a bit of a history lesson um, in that first portion of our conversation and everybody should go check that out. When we roll that out, should be out Monday on our Blister podcast channel. Now we're just talking about the present and the future. I want to have you talk about dual core technology. That's one of those things that certainly sounds like it might just be fancy marketing jargon. I know for a fact you think it's a whole lot more than fancy marketing jargon. So talk to me about first when the notion of dual core technology started to become a thing at Lang. Oh, well, we started working on it in racing, of course. Um, and, you know, it took us quite a long time to develop it. I think it was about three and a half years to really get it to the point where we we really thought it was doing what we envisioned it could do. Again, mostly testing with racers to start with, and then at the same time kind of working on the commercial line with RS and RX at that time um, in kind of trying to develop this this technology. And really, I mean, I mean what what the concept is, is a lot of people feel that a boot is somewhat of a, of a solid object, I guess. Um, and a boot should be alive. It should absorb energy. It should release energy. And this is one of the reasons that Lang uses polyurethane or polyether plastics, because this is what we know as elastic thermoplastics. So, it, you know, it absorbs and releases energy. And this is what gives you feeling and power. And But most importantly, the feeling that's coming back from the snow. We've always used polyether and polyurethane because of that elasticity. But we felt like there was a way to get even more feeling, more pop and energy out of a boot, um, more power out of a boot. And, and, and again, more, more importantly, that feeling that you get from the boot, which tells your foot receptors where your body position and what's going on below you. Is it icy? Is it rough? Is it, you know, my forward or my back? So that feeling is really important. So if you use plastics, don't have elasticity, then the boots start to feel blocky and you start to feel nervous skis or you, you, you know, you don't have a great sense of where you our balance wise on the skis so we felt like okay if we took polyurethane or polyether that elastic plastic how could we even improve this and more or less try to do it as simple as possible it's not an easy technology to explain necessarily particularly via just conversation um, but what we tried to do is say let's make the polyurethane plastics have a mechanical effect as well so 
If you've seen a dual core cutout, we inject a hard and a soft plastic. And again, the durometers aren't drastically different. It's not like one is marshmallow and one is like a rock. They're quite close to each other. But by injecting the two with time and pressure, we can force the harder plastic to the outside of the boot and a softer layer of plastic in the middle. So in a sense, a sandwich construction. And what that creates is a mechanical reaction between those, those two layers. So you get more energy and more power and snap out of that because you have the elasticity properties of the plastic, but you also have a mechanical um, action that's going on. How I relate it is actually very similar to how a ski works. Think about how a ski is built. You have a base layer, you have some fiberglass layers, a metal layer, wood core, fiberglass, metal top sheet. When you flex that ski, those materials want to shear from each other. This is actually how you're building energy in the ski, how you get snap and rebound out of a ski. So it's, it's in a sense putting a sandwich construction into the, the walls of, the, of a ski boot mold. How widespread is dual core used across the entire Lang line? Well, now it's used uh, uh, pretty much in our entire line outside of junior boots. Um, we really believe in this in this uh, process and in and, and the benefits of dual core. Um, so we have it, you know, in all of the RX, all of the RS boots, um, our new XT3 boot, um, third generation of XT has dual core from top to bottom. So pretty much the entire adult line uses some form of dual core. Is there any other stuff you want to highlight in terms of specific technology or materials that you guys are using right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, uh, you know, going back to our dual core, part of the big part of the dual core is that we still use the polyether and the polyurethane. Um, the, you know, the pendulum that we talked about in the last episode of what our industry does, you know, we did it in skis, right? Lightweight, you're not going to lose performance was the promise, but where did we find we swung back? I think the same thing's going to happen in boots um, in that sense. Um, you know, you get the lighter weight plastics, lighter weight plastics inherently are less elastic. So you, you're giving up something for that lightweight, um, you know, one... <laughs> One thing I always struggle in the industry is when people yeah, take a boot, you know, that weighs in it, you know, 1.9, let's say, and they're like, wow, that's heavy. And they pick up a boot that's 1.7 and they say, that's light and uh, put it on your feet and put a blindfold all. You'll never tell the difference at the extremity on your feet to begin with. And we're talking about 200 grams. And, you know, that 200 grams is a sacrifice to some degree on what you're going to give up in terms of performance. And 200 grams, if you measure 200 grams, it's two or three AA batteries, let's say. This is what we're talking about. If I told you to put two or three AA batteries in your pocket and you're going to ski like Richard Perriman, you're going to say, give me those batteries. I'll put them in my pocket. I like this conversation very much, Tor. You're making the case for heavy boots. So I'm, I'm feeling what you're saying right now. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's totally like heavy boots. I think there's a balance in there. Um, and again, I go back to the conversation about being a driver or a passenger. Um, I think there's a right weight. I think that's a better way to speak to it um, than heavy boots. I just, I like to be controversial, Tor. <laughs> um, but no, I, I definitely believe that that's correct, that there is a balance of things. And as we do see more advances in materials that that correct, quote unquote, correct balance can adjust over time. Correct. 
But would you say a bit more about that? You, I believe you said lightweight plastics will always inherently be less elastic. Yeah. So, you know, if you look at, uh, you know, there, there are really three main thermoplastics used, right? Um, you have the polyamides, um, you have the uh, propylenes, and then you have the urethanes, so to speak. And, um, and urethanes is polyether as well. Um, those plastics in general, their molecule, so to speak, is a smaller, tighter molecule, so it can absorb that energy. Now, you can put additives in to gain elasticity. Um, typically when you add those additives, you, you gain a little bit of weight, um, but still you don't get that real absorption and release of energy, which is really the only plastic so far that has really does that at a high level is polyurethane or polyether. Now there, you know, for sure, um, you know, plastic of 20 years ago is not the plastic we're playing with today. Right. So, so things will, will progress on and on. Um, you know, the, the, the onslaught of, let's say the gorilla, the grillons or the gorilla mids, you know, gorilla mid is technically a, a trade name. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's a grill on type of plastic. Um, these coming onto the market with the lightweight, what, what we really noticed, if you go back to the first XT free tour, what we really found is, is that, if you inject it, let's say, in a boot, a mold that is designed for polyurethane or polyether, you end up getting a boot that's quite dead. And one of the successes that we had with, I think, the XT Free Tour being one of the benchmarks for free rides in terms of skiability was is that we figured out that what you have to do is match the mold, the wall thicknesses to match the plastic that you're using. So in, in boot development, actually, this is kind of not a lot of people talk about this. The hardest boot for a boot company to develop is actually like a 102 millimeter last boot. And the reason for that is that typically the 102 millimeter last boots, you have some high end models at a 130 and a 120 that are usually use a polyurethane or polyether. And then you have some low price point ones. And those low price ones tend to use a polyolefin plastic. Polyolefin is similar in terms of elastic property to grillamid. Grillamid's a little bit better, but polyolefin is, is is a cheaper plastic. So that's how you can get the price point to where it needs to be, right? Again, the customer buying those is maybe a little less concerned about the performance. Um, but because you, you, you build the boot for polyurethane or polyether, now you put this non-elastic plastic in there, you start to get a little bit more of a blocky boot. So what do you do to try to solve for this problem that you are highlighting well obviously we we play with the durometer of the plastics to get to get that the best we can um but you know in, in the case of the xt free tour um we were kind of banging our heads against the wall to be honest we kept injecting in the old xt which was a polyurethane boot and we kept just getting in the feeling of you know the skiability wasn't where we wanted it to be the feeling that the the amount of of information coming to our feet wasn't where we wanted it to be and and we kind of had a revelation that that grillamid plastic is such a stronger plastic that maybe if we take away the thickness 
um, we can find that balance between the strength of the plastic and the wall thickness to match well. And that's, that's what we did. We made a few prototypes um, with thinner wall construction and it all started to come, uh, you know, you know, quite clear to what we needed to do. Let's talk about quote unquote heat moldable shells. I've noticed Lang isn't currently doing anything with those. We are not, um, uh, you know, and again, you know, if you look at Lang and who we are as a brand and our tagline, be one with your boots, we believe that a ski boot should be alive. Um, the heat moldable plastics, again, in order for them to be moldable at such a low temperature, um, you need to more or less take the elasticity out of the boot because plastic generally after you heat it wants to go back to its natural shape. Um, so for us, we haven't found the plastic that allows us to do the customization and keep the performance that you expect from a Lang um, there. So we haven't gone that route. Um, again, you know, going back to I'm more of a traditionalist um, and, and Lang being a performance brand, we feel that, you know, finding that cross between the fit and the performance is an important part. And our industry has gone, if you look back in boots, let's say, I won't, uh, let's take out the last, two years or so but if you look past that you know everything and every presentation from every group band in, including my own at Rosingal and Lang you know we talked about fit 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 and and there's no conversation about performance anymore uh in the end you're buying a boot for 700 600 bucks you're, uh, you're purchasing a product that has to perform a task we believe it should do that to to its best ability in terms of performance as well as just fit I want to take a minute here just to try to clarify a term. You're talking a lot about the elasticity of plastics or the inelasticity of plastics. When we're doing boot reviews, we talk a lot about the quote-unquote suspension of a boot or the, the damping of a boot. And I think those would function as synonymous terms in the way that you're talking about elasticity. Is that true or false? No, I think that's true. I mean, again, what, what that elasticity is doing is, is it's absorbing or dampening the feelings that you're getting back, right? So, uh, you know, if you were to look at it in kind of the a way a sound wave would look like, right? The less elasticity you have, the more bouncy that wave would be. Uh, which means you're getting more nervousness out of the boot. And if you were to elongate that, you know, you'd have a smoother pattern. So in a sense, that plastic is a dampener for you. It is somewhat a vibration absorption as well as delivering the power and the rebound. Let's talk about the first generation of the Lang XT Free Tour. And we're going to ramp up into the this new boot you've got, the Lang X-T3. So Gen 1, tell me about that first iteration of the boot. Well, the first iteration of the, uh, you know, at that time was called just the X-T. Um, that boot was really to build a walk mode RX, so to speak. So it was polyurethane, did not have pins that, that you know, trend had not really started um it was starting but we we weren't really on there um so it was you know a boot for free riders who wanted to hike to the you know the secret stash and get good skiing 
And, um, you know, it was still really a, a skier's boot. But that is really the best way to understand that first gen Lang XT. This was an RX, a Lang RX with a walk mode. Correct. We then go into version two of the boot, the Lang XT Free Tour. And let's just have you go over that iteration of the boot. So that boot, you know, we made quite a few changes when we went to that boot. Um, first, uh, you know, we went to a thinner wall thickness, um, again, to match up with the Gorilla Mid. Um, and then we, of course, added the, the low-tech um, cap uh, capability to it. By which you mean just adding pins, right? This was now a boot that would work with a, a pin binding. Exactly. And then also on that boot, we kind of um looked at things a little different with our walk mode um what we had was called a power v-lock really our concept was is to develop a boot that you could get range of motion hike range of motion but when you put it into ski mode you had as close to a traditional boot as possible anytime you put a walk mode in it's not easy to get to the level of a boot with two screws in the back connecting the upper and the lower shell. You can put metal um, locking mechanisms, but typically they're quite low, so they act quite low, so you still have some softness over the top. One thing we didn't want to do is in order to get the range of motion is hack the whole lower shell away. Because if you can imagine how a boot really works, you have the upper cuff driving on the lower cuff and this drives the energy and power and gets the rebound back um, as soon as you start hacking away the back of the boot you start getting a soft feeling over the top and so the v-lock what it did was it opened up in the back to get backward range of motion but when you closed it it kind of made again a very traditional lower shell um, so this was i think why it was one of the better um, benchmarks uh, for skiability and i mean I still look back to our own review of that boot where our reviewer, Paul Forward, had the, I think he did both put an RX on his left, left foot and a free tour XT on his right, you know, and then he also did, I think, the same thing with the first gen of the XT and the second gen. And he was like, the skiability of these boots is very, very similar which sounds like was the first priority for you guys. It was the first priority is skiability. You know, we're Lang, we're a downhill brand. I believe that we're a skiers brand. So, you know, for us, the skiability, we couldn't give that up and we wouldn't give that up. Um, so that was an important point for us in development. You know, that I would say probably the, the negative on that boot was obviously the forward range of motion, which is something that we addressed in generation three. So that's probably a good segue to talk about the new X-T3. I mean, again, I think I told you in the last episode or chat that we had um, that the way I like to develop product is I like to look at what are the problems to solve? You know, what can I, what are the positives in my boot today? And what are the things that I need to solve? And for me, obviously, the XT um, was getting a little old. I mean, we always need to try to renew boots every four years or five years to re regain that energy, even though the XT Free Tour was, was still a benchmark for skiability. Our range of motion wasn't great. So, um, you know, we clearly wanted to improve that. Um, 
weight, we, you know, we were focused on weight, but in the end, um, really we worked with our athletes on this and weight isn't necessarily the main focus. We need to be lighter. That's for sure. And that's what we've done, but we weren't willing to give up certain features to gain that, um, you know, and that feeling and sensibility of good plastics, um, Alpine style liner, um, for me. So that's makes it really a free ride, um, kind of, uh, boot for me. But one thing that I think not enough people pay attention to is what I call range of motion efficiency. And that that's how smooth is that motion. So when you are hiking, how much flow do you have in your stride? And a lot of people look at, you know, we've talked about this before, but a lot of people look at one little thing and say, oh, this one's better because this and that. Um, and range of motion is one, you know, people automatically ask quickly, like, oh, what's the range of motion? Oh, that one's only 53. Well, this one's 55. It must be better. But in all reality, the total range of motion that a boot gets for me, it gets, it gets too much play and, and, and looked at too much. Really what's important is the efficiency of that motion. How smooth is that motion? How, how much energy does it take to get to that motions? So those are the things we worked on with the new boot. Did you ever spend any time skiing or looking at the Scarpa Freedom RS? This is a a boot that is now discontinued, but, um, did you ever happen to check out that boot? Oh yeah, I, t- I test all the competitors' boots. Of course, we always got to know what everybody else is doing. Um, you know, I think that this this boot, I mean, the range of motion wasn't great on that boot, um, but the skiability was pretty solid. Um, I wasn't necessarily um, that into the plastic that they used uh, at that time. Um, but, you know, I, for sure, I think that they're one of the boots that kind of started this this kind of uh, what I call a skiers touring boot, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason I brought it up was I don't remember off the top of my head what the stated range of motion was for that boot, but I actually thought the, to use your terms, the range of motion efficiency of that boot was remarkable. So we were just telling people like, look, it's a small number, don't write it off for that reason. I actually thought the boot walked like way better than its actual stated range of motion. So I, I, I cite that just because I think in my years of testing boots, that was the single standout example where I think like, I, I totally agree with what you're saying on this front, right? Like stated numbers, I just care less and less about, um, when we get to the like, okay, but what does it actually walk like? Exactly. So what else should we know about this new X-T3? I have the boot now. I have yet to ski the boot. Would you say that I ought to find a whole lot of similarity in terms of the quote-unquote skiability of it, the downhill performance of it, versus the second gen xt and the first gen xt i think you're actually going to find stronger skiability and uh drastically improved walkability or hikeability um you know we focused on the downhill skiability and again we developed this with our athletes which i think is an important part so you know we asked them what are their pain points currently with their boots what would they like more of what would they like less of um stiffness or fit or uh, features like plastic tongue as opposed to a touring style of tongue or liner. 
Um, so we still have a very alpine style of liner in the boot, um, which again gives you that fit performance part. Um, in terms of the ski ability, we focused on having a stronger spine. Um, so I think you're going to find that that you know the forward flex is stronger than the old one. Um, and probably most importantly, the biggest innovation for us is the active power V-lock. So we talked about the power V-lock locking in to allow the lower shell to be like a traditional boot where the upper cuff engages to it. Now that that V-lock actually, when you click the lever, it moves up, which allows us to gain 11 more degrees of forward range of motion than the XT Free Tour did. So that's a that's a pretty drastic, drastic change from the, the generation two. In this prior conversation you and I had, you kept talking about how you are a traditionalist. And I'm actually with you on this in the sense of, I think we kind of have a thing for dedicated gear, right? So we like our Alpine gear to be over in this corner and our touring stuff to be over in that corner. So how do you personally think about who is actually going to be using this X-T3? Because this is sounding like a 50-50 boot not a dedicated touring boot that just so happens to have, I think you might want to put it this way, something like best-in-class downhill performance. How are you sorting that out with in terms of who the actual customer is going to be for this thing? Well, I think, I think to start with, I think the industry probably has a little bit of hangover when, when the, you know, the first free ride touring boots, let's say hit the market, you know, we, we really tried to sell it as the, you know, no compromise kind of thing. Um, for me, and when I look at how I'm, you know, bringing this new boot to market, our little tagline is get up to get down. And what I truly believe is that when we, we look at Lang in particular, we're skiers brand. Um, you know, I, I always kind of make the comment that like if if Dina Fit or Scarpa said, hey, we're going to start building World Cup slalom skis and we're going to go on the World Cup, you would say, guys, get back in your lane. You guys are amazing touring boot companies and so on. And not to say that they couldn't build a, a slalom ski. It's not what I'm trying to say. Uh, I think it's the same for us. You know, we're not going for the what I call the billy goat guys, right? The guys who are all about the up. Um, that's not what this boot is targeted towards. Um, I really believe that, um, this boot is, is the right boot for the guy who gets up because the reason he goes up is to get the down. And, and I think we forget about, about this part is why, why are we there? Why do we ski in general, right? We put so much time and energy, you know, even just getting to the resort or getting to the trailhead and then hiking up. But what do we do it all for? We do it all for that two minutes of rush of the down. Um, and that's where we want the boot to really perform is, is what you're there for. So am I allowed, if I see people riding chairlifts and skiing the X-T3 inbounds, am I allowed to go yell at them and be like, listen, I've talked to Tour and he wants you in an RX right now. This is supposed to be the boot you're touring in. Is that how you want me to handle that? No, you can't yell at anybody oh, for shit, skiing Tor. in a lang. You got to tell them congratulations. <laughs> you got about the best boot on the industry. <laughs> um, no, I mean, again, I mean, you know, there there are people, and they have they have their um, their mindsets, right? Um, 
you got guys riding on the trail on on race mountain bikes or enduro bikes um, in that sense, right? They're both having a great time. So I don't think anybody should be chastised for whatever they ski in. It's whatever they think they, you know, fits their personality and and whatnot. I think boots is very different than skis when we kind of talk about quivers. Um, I think boots uh, can cross that 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 buy use more easily and i think particularly in something like the xt3 for me it's still a ski boot it's a ski boot that can hike um as opposed to not being a ski boot and being only a hiking boot okay so you are actually more okay in seeing this being used inbounds and in hiking i mean in that sense it hasn't lost what you said i mean you described the first xt as an RX with a walk mode. It sounds to me like you're still saying that, like, well, yeah, this X-T3, it's still an RX with a walk mode. We've just really ramped up both the downhill performance of the boot and certainly the uphill capability of that boot. Yeah, I think there's a sense to that. Um, You know, again, I, I mean, we forget, we get... You know, us in the industry, we get so focused kind of on usage sometimes that we forget a little bit about community and and who wants to be involved in a community. Uh, I mean, again, you've seen uh, great growth in in these hybrid bindings, right? It's part of being of the community to some degree, um, you know, or something like an FKS, uh, you know, or pivot binding. If you ski on a pivot binding, you're kind of part of a community. So, you know, to some degree, it's a statement like, Hey, I'm a free rider. You know, like when you wear Adidas Samba shoes, but you don't play soccer, but you're part, you feel like part of a soccer community, I guess, is an example. So, um, I, I think it meets that. And then it also meets the guy, you know, you know, you mentioned the guy in the lift that you might want to yell at, you know, you don't really know what he's doing after he gets off the lift. He might be going for a 30 minute hike. You don't know that. Um, in that sense, I suppose you could ask him. And if he says no, then, you know, is he in the right, right boot? But, um, you know, I think there's that sense of community and I don't think we should, um, you know, cut that customer off from wanting to fit into that community you know whether they want a a race bike or a more of a trail bike you know in that sense Mm -hmm. just to be just for the record tour um i don't yell at anybody about their gear i just wanted to know if i had permission to yell at them on your behalf that was the only thing that i was just trying to clarify there uh you can ask nick maybe you can blame it on nick and yell at people for nick (laughs) yes all right that's what i'll do i'll be like i know this guy nick and I'm yelling at you on behalf of him because he's pretty grumpy. Um, talk to me a little bit about where we might expect Lang to be heading going forward from here. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, in joint in joint development of this new XT3, um, we did some engineering that's going to allow us to um, build a full rocker sole touring boot for the year after. So that's what we'll launch next year. Um, you know, the differences there are going to be that the XT3 that we just talked about, um, you know, we have moved away from the Grillamids and we've gone back to the polyurethanes. Um, we feel like we get a stronger boot 
more reactive and more feeling. Um, when we go to the touring boot, this is where we'll be able to maybe move a little the pendulum or the, the tipping point, as I call it, a little farther to the lightweight side, trying to get down to like 1.4. Um, we'll see where we go. We're still in development. Um, but with a full rocker sole, so designed purely for pin bindings um, and, and, you know, going after the more up guy than the down guy. You know, what it allows us to do is really kind of place the X-T3 where we think it really belongs, which is a skiers, you know, free ride boot where you can hike and you can get to the good stuff, but you're there for the down. And it really allows us to focus and not try to do this, you know, oh, no compromise. You can do this and you can do this. Um, It allows us to position product really where it belongs. That's really interesting. So... I think, though, when you, Tor, just said something about you moving away from Gorillamid, just to make sure I'm clear, the plastic in the X-T3 is what? It's polyurethane. Yeah, we're going back to kind of the real deal plastics. This is what I call polyether and polyurethane. And for me, it's the real deal. Um, you, you know, it's interesting when you look at like the entire industry and you look at all the different myriads of plastics out there and that they use in their consumer line. But when you go to racing where the clock is ticking, right? And the clock speaks for itself, right? It's you're faster, you're slow. And you look at every brand and they're using polyurethane or polyether in their, in their world cup boots, because it gives you the most feeling and the most energy. And, uh, again, going back to me being a traditionalist, um, you know, if we can find, uh, a boot that is in the weight zone that we want, that right weight that we talked about earlier and do it with polyurethane and polyether, I think Lang's a brand to do that. Anything else before we wrap? This is the longest, according to Nick, this is probably the longest conversation you've ever had in your life, uh, I realize. <laughs> but uh, but um, anything before we let you go? You catch me at the right time. I could talk about boots for three, four days. So but that <laughs> I, that's a warning more than anything else. But, you know, you get me in the right mood, I could talk about boots forever. But um you know, we, you know, going back to the XT3, we, you know, we did some things a little bit um, different than we've done in the past. You know, we, we added a full water seal. This was actually something I had to fight for. You know, Lang's a really very traditional brand, um, very authentic in the sense. And some guys in the factory didn't feel that that was Lang, but I, you know, I think that that's an important thing that, uh, you know, when I look at problems to solve, right? Um to have good water seal, keep the environment out. And uh, another thing that we did is, you know, we worked on a really new boot board using uh, gas pressurized polypropylene. um, And what we found is that this is a lot lighter. All the free ride guys want like a shock shock absorbing boot board. And uh, we found that this is more shock absorption. keeps us warmer, which is like a super bonus. And it's about 60% lighter. So this is where we saved a lot of the weight. In the boot board. Yeah. I did not see that coming. Yeah. You have, you have a pair of boots there. I'm sure you're going to pull them apart Yeah, and, and do all the things that you guys do with them, uh, caliper wise and, <laughs> and everything else. <laughs> Are you making fun of us, Tor? I am making fun of you. Okay. You know, okay. Right? That's but all right. That's okay. I get it. I I, I appreciate the enthusiasm on it. So, <laughs> um, But, you know, pull that boot board out. You'll see what we're talking about. It's a pretty interesting new boot board. 
Anything else? State of the Union on Alpine boots in general? Are we all going to be skiing in jello molded 3D printed plastics in 2030? You know, 3D printing is, I get this question so much and 3D printing has been really, really useful for us, um, but mostly in the development process. Um, you know, you, know you, you read articles everywhere about 3D printing, you can 3D print a house, right? Um, but you, then you look at the cost of 3D building a house. I'm not sure we're going to get there. I'm sure it's going to come sooner or later. Somebody's going to do it. Um, I, I don't think it's economical at this point to do it that way. So I'm not, not sure we're going to see it anytime soon. Somebody will probably do it as a concept boot, uh, at some point. Um, but I don't, you know, 3d printing for us really is about printing the parts and the pieces in the development process to make that process go faster, which allows us to focus on other things like performance and fit and so on. Well, Tor, this has been fun and very informative and, uh, appreciate, learning more about your backstory and reminding us of what Lang as a brand is really trying to be about and emphasizing. And, um, and it will be very interesting to see some of these new developments that you have touched on, uh, coming down the road. So, um, this has been good. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, my pleasure. It was a fun conversation. <laughs> well, Hey, really good to catch up with you on some of this and look forward to the next conversation sometime down the line. Sounds great, Jonathan. All right, take care. That's it for this edition of Gear 30. Now, don't forget to leave us that five-star rating in iTunes, and let's work together as a community to get me, Sam, and Luke into some of those funny-looking duck-billed boots and even funnier-looking bindings. I want to say thanks to Tor for the conversation, thanks to Luke Alley for producing this episode, and thanks to you for listening. As always, please take good care out there, and we will talk to you again next week.